4: In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: All right!
6: All right! This This is The Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's In the Bonus with Doug Gottlieb.
1: What up? In the Bonus, Doug Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. It's a Thursday, and we're having to adjust all of our thoughts and plans because normally Thursday, well, that's a game day, right? We usually have NFL football on a Thursday. It starts getting us ready for the weekend. And of course, we've had Saturday NFL games for a while now. Uh, But this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, does kind of throw off your week, right? When you have, you know, everybody's kind of getting back to work, getting back to work day one, and now we're just kind of waiting. Jay Stu, would you say the biggest story of the day is that the uh, potential AFC championship game is a neutral site game in Atlanta? Is that the biggest news of the day?
7: No, no. I just think it's one of the more uh, recent news items.
1: Mm, Derek Carr penning a goodbye to the Raiders?
7: Yeah, that kind of coincides with the fact that the Raiders are looking to trade him uh, before a certain date, and he has a no-trade clause. Yeah,
1: but, I mean, we kind of already knew this was happening, right? I mean, like everybody knew this was happening once he got benched that he wasn't going to be a raider again. I like the fact that they're not waiting around for it. Uh the problem becomes what do we have? We got like a, we basically got till the Super Bowl to kind of figure it out. And then the question becomes if they can trade him, you know, does the new team want to take on that contract or work out a new contract? I mean, look, there's a that's really the story of this offseason is how many teams need a quarterback. I mean, just go and look. It's pretty obvious the Jets need a quarterback. Miami in the playoffs, I would guess they'll they'll run it back with um with Tua, but I'm I, I can't guarantee it. I think Mac Jones, you know, if they're gonna make a coaching change with the offensive coordinator, I think he ends up getting year three. I don't think they draft another one. And obviously Buffalo's not. Um the AFC South Jacksonville set outside of that, all three of those teams need a quarterback and you have to trade a guy, not just for his contract before, what three days after the Super Bowl, but you, you have to trade a guy before the draft because inevitably if you need a quarterback, you're going to draft a quarterback. And then if you draft a quarterback, that guy is going to get a shot, especially this year where it does feel like there's three or four that'll go in the first round. Um, we don't know about Chicago. We don't know about a couple other teams in the NFC East. Washington clearly needs a quarterback. The Giants look like they found theirs, Cowboys and, and Eagles, although we you know, and and Jalen Hurts is I, I think long term it probably depends on how he plays in the playoffs, but short term he's not going anywhere and they're not drafting anybody. So the teams that we know need need quarterbacks. Um An interesting one is going to be Arizona, who's going to need one at least as a placeholder until Kyler gets back. On the other hand, you know, Kyler does seem to have some power within the organization. Who can you get who wants to be a short-term starter, who can be effective until he returns? We'll see what and how he returns, you know, but they need a new GM and a new coach as well. Raiders need a new quarterback. Maybe Tampa needs a new quarterback as Don Brady could retire or he could go to the Raiders or maybe some other team. So there's a lot of interesting parts. I think the, the most interesting thing is the Lamar thing, which I was, I'm was. i very appreciative of you tweeting out. If you'd like to read and quote your own tweet, you can feel free to do so.
7: Um, yeah. And then, um, then I'm going to ask you to retweet it because you can't say it's a good tweet and then not retweet it. So I'm going to um, – I woke up this morning – Mm-hmm. And I'm you know watching the debate shows um, and Get Up had it. And then the first story on first take. this is my tweet. Ten days ago, Gottlieb Show had this story about Lamar Jackson and was criticized for it. This morning, ten days later, it is the lead story on first take and increasingly becoming the accepted narrative in Baltimore. Basically, you said 10 days ago that something else is going on other than this injury for Lamar. We don't, we, can't, we don't know exactly, but something is going on, and you could speculate that the contract has a lot more to do with him not playing than the injury. And today it's leading first take, which to me is always kind of a barometer of what people are debating and talking about. And I'm guessing Ravens fans are having this conversation because a reporter yesterday posed to John Harbaugh fans are starting to think that this is more about the contract. <laughs> what do you think? And he gave an answer.
1: Um, I mean, like, look, no one I believe is saying, and even Michael Lombardi joined us yesterday and no one is saying he didn't get hurt. And I think that most people are aligned on it and we're all kind of saying the same stuff. You know, when, when we don't have a definitive, it allows for speculation. And I think all this speculation is reasonable. What I said before is what everybody's saying now in some form or fashion yesterday was Michael Lombardi saying like, Hey, he ain't going back on the field till he's hundred percent. And why would he, when he doesn't have the contract out there? And, and like you're at this impasse where you have and forget the people who say the Ravens don't want to give him money. That's fucking stupid. That's bullshit. It's not accurate. I've said that before. OK, the Ravens want to pay him, but they want to pay him more in line with well every other contract outside of Deshaun Watson's in the NFL. And oh, yeah, by the way. Oh, yeah, by the way, if the whole his whole argument is like, hey, give me the money because, you know, I do all these things. I do all these things well, which he does do well. But you don't have to worry about me getting hurt and then you're missing games because you're hurt. Like what the fuck? Like this is a contradiction. We just saw. We've seen enough players not just get hurt. And obviously, you don't want to relate it to Demar Hamlin. I mean, that's you know that, that's a hopefully a once in a generation type of thing. We never see that again. Okay, but quarterbacks, especially athletic quarterbacks, they get hurt. Or their performance also falls. So you have the double whammy of not just worrying about performance, but also do they get hurt? They all get hurt, the ones that run. And no one runs as much when he's healthy as Lamar Jackson. And you could say, hey, nobody catches him. You're right. Nobody catches him now. But one, sometimes you get hurt non-contact. And two, the older you get, the more likely you are to get caught. And you get caught, and you get hit, you get hit, you get hurt. So stop with the, they're not going to pay him. They want to pay him. They just don't want to give him the The Browns contract is a stupid contract. And, and the question, here's the big question. This is the one that if, if Lamar had an agent or had somebody who really knew what he was talking about would tell him like, look, the only team that may give you a five year guaranteed contract above that of the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson is a poorly run franchise because it's saying they're desperate. Because it's saying that they're, frankly, overvaluing you. They expect you to save the day. And while that might not matter to you, look, dude, you're going to make $200 million in this next deal. Okay? You're going to make $200 million in this next deal. That's going to happen if you sign with the Ravens. Okay? The Ravens franchise, through multiple quarterbacks, has been good. Even this year, with Lamar missing half the year. And I'm not saying Tyler Huntley's great. He hasn't played great and he hasn't been healthy. They've been able to find a way to get into the playoffs. Why? Because they're the Ravens. They got the best kicker. They got a great culture. They got a good defense, very good offensive line. And when you play, you're really, really good. And when you get Dobbins back, now you got a great running back. So, do you really want? Is, it, is uh, the last year guaranteed? And oh, yeah, by the way, if he had an agent, this could have gotten creatively done where it's basically guaranteed without being too, uh, completely guaranteed. Do you really want to leave Baltimore, where you're the king, to go to the Jets? Because the Jets are that that franchise that feels desperate enough to make that move. Um, Maybe the Commanders, right? Maybe the Commanders, where you're in the same market. But do you want to go play for the Commanders? I mean, maybe. You know, you have, a, you have a coach who's had an athletic quarterback before and won an MVP and gone to a Super Bowl. And, you know, Cam Newton did that when, uh, uh, when he was playing for Ron Rivera. Maybe. But, like, look at those teams that need quarterbacks. You know, I, the Raiders. If you go take that money. Let, let's say the Raiders make that trade. Let's say that's the move they, they make. The Raiders make that trade. Like, the Raiders don't have a very good offensive line. They have very good skill position players. I oh yeah, by the way, like the reason they use multiple tight ends in Baltimore is not crazy accurate. So, I don't know. I think you're in a really, really good place. Uh, probably wants to get to Miami, but they're, they're in cap hell. And by the way, if you're in cap hell and you don't have a high first round pick, guess what you got to get up in order to get Lamar Jackson? Good players. Yeah, so to me, this is a big story. We were on top of it. And I, I, I think he, I know he legitimately got hurt, but I'm guessing most people think he could play this weekend. And, oh yeah, by the way, if you want to be the highest paid guy in the NFL and you don't want to play in the playoffs because of what you're going to make next year, regardless of whether or not you think that's a good business decision, who, whoo, that's a, that's a, that's a toxic place to live.
6: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
7: Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
8: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
7: And then you have China.
5: Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Jared Smith joins us, PicksWise lead betting analyst, co-host of Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, with Rich Ornberger, Brian No. airs each Saturday between 9 a.m. and noon Eastern time. Listen live on our Fox Sports Radio affiliates or on the iHeartRadio app, Presented by Bet MGM. Jared, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, let's get after it. Obviously, a gigantic uh, what do they call it? Super wild card. Super wild card weekend. Let's get we'll just wild, go though. in chronological order. Um, Seahawks taking on the Niners. Obviously, these teams have a ton of knowledge of each other, having played each other twice. No one expects the Seahawks to win. The question is 42 is the total and 10 is the number. Niners favored at home by 10. What are you thinking?
6: Yeah, so you're going to hear a lot this week. Oh, it's tough to beat a team three times in the same season. And the last couple of years, that's proven true. Of course, Niners, Rams last year. Rams lost both regular season games, then went on, the, you know, won the NFC Championship game, went on to win the Super Bowl. 2020, Saints and Bucks, same thing. Saints won the first two games regular season, Bucks won the divisional round game, went on to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if that's the same path for Seattle um, after losing both games to San Francisco earlier this season. The real crux of this is we, we saw a number that was eight and a half earlier in the year when Seattle was in, uh, you know, on the road in this game. And they ended up losing by two scores, and that was an interesting buy-low spot for San Francisco because they just coming off the loss of the Bears. How about that? The Bears beat the Niners week one, and then they go on and get the number one pick. Meanwhile, Seattle lost that game to Denver, um, uh, or excuse me, beat Denver on opening night, and, and so you had a sell-high spot for Seattle and a buy-low for San Francisco. Well, that's not the case now. Now I think the Niners are kind of up at, at you know the upper echelon of teams in the NFL and and one of the favorites right now to win the Super Bowl the offensive line is healthy the offense has been playing better with Brock Purdy at least according to the analytics and I think the key is can Brock continue that we're in the playoffs now first time starting quarterbacks in the postseason we'll get to this a little bit Vikings Giants haven't done as well I I would take San Francisco here usually teams that win on wild card weekend about 75 percent of the time they also cover the spread so don't be afraid of the big spreads this weekend more often than not, the teams that win also cover. So really tough to see a scenario unless there's a lot of turnovers or Brock Purdy where where Seattle wins this game and keeps it close. That's
1: a big, big number. All right, the Chargers who, I mean, like, look, I'm a Charger fan. Jay Stu's a Charger fan. But last time they took on Jacksonville, I know they had injuries. I'm, I'm aware. But I also know that you're playing in Jacksonville, which looked like a snake pit last weekend. And Jacksonville, just in terms of this matchup, really physically dominated the Chargers in L.A. last time around. Now the Chargers have just about everybody back except for Rashawn Slater, who may return next week. That's their starting left tackle. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Chargers heading into Jacksonville as road favorites?
6: Yeah, there's a couple. First of all, this number's moved a little towards uh, L.A., so it does look like the Chargers right now, I think, are the sharper side And there's a lot of things different from that first matchup. First of all, it was the game after Justin Herbert cracked his ribs against the Chiefs. So he was far, I mean, arguably the most injured he's been for any game all season was this game against the Jags. And the one thing about Jacksonville's defense, their overall analytics are poor, but they are a team that can get after you. Um, you know, pressure rate. They're a pretty good uh, pass, pass rush win rate team as well because they've got some dudes up front. You know, Smoot and Allen and, and, and Walker have done a really good job this year. And, you know, the Chargers' offensive line has been the big issue. Another thing about that game, Keenan Allen didn't play in the first game. Neither did Corey Lindsley, the center. And that, I think, is the missing link here because the Chargers' offensive line, since Lindsley's been back, they've really started to run the ball a lot better. Austin Eckler had five rushing yards in that game against the Jags. And again, Herbert was banged up. So many things were working against. Uh, L.A. in that game. So I, I would trust the sharp money here. I think anything below a field goal is a, is, is a decent bet on the Chargers.
1: All right, let's get to Sunday's games. Dolphins, uh, who don't have Tua, instead it's Skylar Thompson as their quarterback, taking on the Bills. Now, these two teams have faced each other twice. Of course, they split. Different game, different quarterback. But the last game in Buffalo, Tua played pretty well, and the Dolphins were competitive can Skylar Thompson keep them within two touchdowns?
6: I don't think so. And I'm trying to find a reason to, to really lay the lumber with Buffalo. I think the better bet right now is the first half. I just think Buffalo is, is kind of on track to be, and I hate this phrase, but we use it a lot, and sometimes it has some value, but the team of destiny, right? And the, the matchup next week, with Cincinnati going to Buffalo potentially is going to be, um, it's it's going to be a show. It's going to be a spectacle, especially if Demar Hamlin's on the field for that game. So I, I just think that's where we're trending. And I don't see barring again, like just an insane amount of turnover luck and, and maybe some kind of special teams play, but Buffalo kind of owned the special teams last week against new England. And Skylar Thompson was an absolute disaster against the jets. So if they're, if he's playing that poorly against the jets, I just don't see how, Miami goes into Buffalo and keeps us close. But I think value-wise, from a betting perspective, laying seven in the first half with the Bills, just to make it that one-score margin, I think would be the best play for me here.
1: Um, okay, Giants taking on the Vikings. The Vikings have a load of talent, but no one seems to believe in them. Taking on the Giants team, which finds a way, gets in the playoffs, obviously good running game. Danny Dimes, a better season. It's only a three-point line in, uh, in Minneapolis, and maybe most interesting, I, saw the, I think the total feels high here at 48. What do you think in Giants-Vikings?
6: I, I agree with your sentiment on the total. And I think the last game, the total was right at, I believe, right at 47.5, 48. And it, it was trending down, 13-10, end of the third quarter. And then a 28-point fourth quarter, 10 points in the final minute. So, yes, I, I think the total may be a little elevated, but both of these defenses, analytically speaking, have been very poor. The question you have to ask yourself, Doug, this game was literally played three weeks ago and the bike in the exact same spot. Everything was pretty much exactly the same except for one little wrinkle. And the Vikings were a four-and-a-half-point favorite. What's really changed in three weeks to move this number down to now the most key number of three? I don't know if, if a lot really has changed between these two. Like, I don't know how the Vikings – and 11-0 in one-score games. They're 13 wins by a combined 86 points. They're four losses by a combined 89 points. This is going to be just the fourth ever postseason game in NFL history between teams that both have a negative point differential. I mean, they both are fascinating case studies. They'll write stories about these two teams, especially the Vikings down the road, especially if they find a way to make a run. But the real trend that I like here, and it's a very strong angle, First-time playoff quarterbacks Daniel Jones against non-first-time playoff quarterbacks Kirk Cousins since 2002, the first-timers, the debutants, 28.5 percent against the spread, 14-35 and one. Last year, all three got destroyed. Kyler Murray against the Rams, they lost by 23. Matt Jones got blasted by 30 against the Bills, and Jalen Hurts looked overmatched against the Bucks, losing by 16. So, Brian Abel deserves to be coach of the year. Mike Kafka is probably going to be a head coach very soon. But I don't know if Daniel Jones is up for this challenge. And it's all about the blitz schemes. We'll see what Ed Donatell does. He didn't blitz a ton the last time they faced each other. And Daniel Jones, surprisingly, is a little more efficient against the blitz. His uh, you know yards per attempt goes up. His, his pro football focus grade goes up. So if I'm Ed Donatel, I'm sitting back in coverage and I'm making Daniel Jones read it. And we'll see if the Vikings secondary can make a couple plays. And on the other side, the Giants defense. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL uh, defending number one receivers. Justin Jefferson and, uh, and and Hawkinson had a monster game a few weeks ago uh, against this giant secondary, and I, I see that continuing. And I think the Vikings are my best play of the week.
1: All right, Ravens taking on the Bengals. Uh, the, the it feels like the Ravens will be without Lamar Jackson. He didn't practice, didn't participate yesterday. Still waiting on today. Uh, this is a game which we just saw this past weekend. And we still are left wondering who's going to play quarterback for the Ravens. But that's a big number in a playoff game. Who do you like?
6: Yeah, and again, Anthony Brown starts and, you know, you had Dobbins out and Andrews out. And this number closed at almost 12 on Sunday. So if all of those guys play this week, I think 10 is probably where we'll land here if it is Tyler Huntley. And it's kind of funny, like even the Ravens players, Calais Campbell this week was quoting movies. He's like, any given Sunday, anything can happen. So even they think that this is just going to be um, one of those games where they're going to need to do a lot defensively, special teams. But if there's one guy that maybe could get that done, Coach Harbaugh on this Ravens team, they've got a really good roster. They just gave Roquan Smith a ton of money. And defensively, I think they'll be up for that challenge. But what are they going to do offensively here? I, I hope it's Huntley. And, and, you know, at least he offers some chance. He's played a little bit. But I, I don't have a lot of positive things to say uh, about this Ravens offense. I will say this. Long term, the Bengals, if they can figure out a way to keep Joe Burrow upright, you know, last eight games, one and a half sacks per game, they're they're eight no. First eight games, three and a half sacks per game, they were four and four. That's the key. Can Joe Burrow avoid the sacks? Can this offense continue to move the ball? And I think Cincinnati is going to be a dangerous team, but I don't see how they keep things close this week unless there's just a bunch
1: of turnovers. I, I tend I tend to agree with you, uh, but they're going to they're gonna try and run the football and, yeah. and keep Joe Burrow off, off the football field. All right, the, uh, the Monday night game, Cowboys, Buccaneers, people freaking out in Dallas because they get beat by the Commanders last week. Should be pointed out, it's not like the Buccaneers come in as, as world beaters. The number's two and a half, as you've taught us and everybody in the gambling world has taught us. That number three is a huge one. Uh, the, the total is 45 and a half. Cowboys Buccaneers Monday night. What are, you th- what are you thinking?
6: Yeah. So the first thing that thought the first thought that popped into my head was, can I trust Dak Prescott? Because I think it's under a field goal, I think Dallas, you know, metrically speaking, is better than 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 Tampa. And then I went and I watched some of the film this week on Dak, and especially last game. And he's just, he's not seeing the field. And it's almost like he's predetermining his reads. Like, he had C.D. Lamb on a slugger route, you know, in the first quarter of that game the other day, and and the corner's just flat-footed, and, you know, C.D. runs right by him, and he just goes to the other side of the field and throws a late curl route and it almost gets intercepted. And I'm, I play quarterback in high school. It's not exactly I was in advance, but I see that. And my best receiver has got a, a corner flat-footed on a sluggo, and, I, and that's where I'm going with the ball, the CD land. So I don't know what Dak is looking at right now, but he needs to play better. The one thing I'll say about Tampa is over the last couple of weeks, we've seen their offense percolate. And I think the key is how they handle early downs. Byron Lefwich came out this week. Oh, you're throwing dirt on us. Oh, the numbers aren't that bad. Byron, I don't know what numbers you're looking at, but, but they're certainly not great, um, especially situationally, outside the top 20 in red zone percentage and third down conversion percentage. I mean, this is Tom Brady, in a bottom 10 offense in red zone and third downs. It just it, it hasn't looked good. The early down splits are really what, what, what scares me. And against Carolina, when they finally exploded, they had a 60% success rate on early down throws. On first and second down, when Byron left, which is aggressive, they have success. 33% success rate on early down rushes. When they go conservative and they run it on first and 10, they tend to not have success. So I think that's where Dallas is going to be keying in on. And I'm curious how, how Byron calls this game. The Cowboys secondary has struggled since week 13, 25th in passing DVOA. And in that stretch, they've only played one starting caliber quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. The other ones, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, Sam Howell. So if those guys are chewing up this Cowboys secondary, I think Brady's going to have a successful day here. If Byron Leftwich puts his foot on the accelerator, I think Tampa can put up a big number here. And I think the over, too, because you'd imagine the Cowboys are going to be uber aggressive. And, and, and the, the Bucs secondary has been a little bit on the struggle bus. So I would say the over here, and I'd lean to Dallas at 2.5.
1: Jared, great stuff. It's going to be an awesome weekend. And, oh, yeah, by the way, check out the show, Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff with Rich Ornberger, Brian Nell, and, of course, Jared Smith, who's Pixwise lead betting analyst. Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time, listen live on our Fox Sports Radio affiliates or in the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. Jared, thanks so
7: much. Good luck, Doug. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, we get you ready for the games of the night tonight. And, uh, you know, look, it's interesting with college basketball. I mean, Texas' comeback win last night, impressive. Uh, I also think that Marquette's win last night is impressive. I'll give you a, a quick, if you like podcasts. Okay, so I have my all-ball podcast. And all ball is it's usually basketball we've done plenty of other football guys tj hushmanzada joined me um who else i mean we've had uh justin fuente join me we did like a three-parter it's really good a lot of it is about sports and your story of how you got into it how you got into it, your playing and coach and then into coaching and 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 what that's all like and how you put together a staff and and the different adjustments you make and things like that um Dusty May is my newest uh, all-ball podcast. We're going to drop part two tomorrow. I think. Maybe today. I'm not sure. Um, but the next one is recorded. It's, it's in the can and we'll edit part one. Uh, it's with Shaka Smart. And I don't make many guarantees. I don't make many guarantees. But when you listen to it, I have a 100% percent belief that you will be a fan of shaka smart you'll be a fan of shaka smart you know um anyway it's it's really really good and so you know like i was already a fan without having great knowledge of him but then you get to meet him and you get to know him and then you're like okay now i'm a super fan form. Tonight, BYU takes on Gonzaga. Uh, also, St. Mary's takes on Little Marymount. Why does, why does that matter? Well, because, you know, everything in college basketball is about making the NCAA tournament. The WCC is going to get those two teams in. The question is, can one, how good is Gonzaga? Can they win in front of 24,000 people at BYU? It's not as good as they've been, but they're still pretty damn good. Um, and then, you know, for St. Mary's, is, they're going to get in. The question is, can can Loyola Marymount, Stan Johnson, can he be the team that beats him? Now, Loyola Marymount did lose to San Francisco, a team that very easily could have beaten Gonzaga going back a week ago. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see those games. Uh, the big thing in college basketball is that, you know, you when you watched Alabama last night take on Arkansas, and Arkansas does not have Nick Smith, who's their one-and-done best talent. But you start to look at the talent of Alabama and realize – And how people are talking about Nate Oates, Kentucky or Texas or wherever for whatever job, it's because he's a really good coach and they got really good players. And Alabama, believe it or not, got a chance to win the whole thing in in hoops. Legit whole uh, chance to win the whole thing in hoops. Um, Meanwhile, in the in the NBA, um, we're starting to get to where teams, you know, kind of starting to put some things together. Now, I I got a pick of the day. Boston is a point and a half favorite. Over Brooklyn and the Nets. Keep in mind, no Kevin Durant, no Kevin Durant, uh, and the Celtics have they have their dudes. Give me the Celtics um, six days a week and twice on Sunday. I, I truly believe that. The other one to, to to look at is the Mavericks have been in L.A. now for a couple of days. They lost to the Clippers two days ago. Um, Dallas is a three-point favorite against the Lakers. Patrick Beverly's out with the flu, non-COVID-related illness. Not that Patrick Beverly's been great, uh, but they still don't have Anthony Davis. This one screams the Mavericks. Screams the Mavericks for you. All right, there's my picks of the day. Hope you enjoyed the pod. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is In the Bonus.
2: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a A podcast. podcast.